0: Is a Bramble Jam podcast. Hi, I'm Bran and I love Hallmark movies. Hey, I'm Panda and I like Hallmark movies.
1: I'm Dan and I despise Hallmark movies. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you're ready, Paul. <laughs>
2: Oh, did I miss what I'm supposed <laughs> <Yeah>. to do? <laughs> uh, okay, when you were explaining what to do, I was—I got to—I've got to be honest, I wasn't listening. So I think what I'm supposed to do here say like, "Hey, I am Paul Green, and I am an actor, and I on the Hallmark Channel and other channels, and we are here to talk about these three guys and and their opinions." <laughs> yeah, you on did Hallmark. great. It's this is <laughs> the, 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 the Hallmark
1: podcast.
0: podcast.
2: Okay, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> Good. Good. We're going to leave it.
1: Oh, We're leaving it in. Oh, We're that was in. great. We're, We're it keeping it. it. That, that was that's gold. That's my new favorite intro of all time. Is, <laughs> right on. And here's the thing is, if you're not right on, on friendly TV, you I wouldn't think get, I got it.
2: Yeah. But just in case, tell me the whole thing again. I wasn't listening.
0: <laughs> I, 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 I
3: asked you, like, where is
2: the di- are you tracking? And you looked at me in the eyes
3: and you said yes.
2: Yes, but when you said tracking, I was just impressed that you were using that word and it distracted me a little bit. Like, like does that... Does that track? is like, are we in Mission Impossible or something? <laughs> it's like you could just said, "Paul, did you understand?" And I would have said, "No, no. could you repeat?" that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your
0: fault
1: you're in <laughs> tracking. I'm
0: sorry. Paul, Paul got <laughs> pumped. He was like, "I'm on a mission." <laughs> whatever, uh,
1: whatever choices we made to get us to that intro, we should never <laughs> change them because uh, it's uh, great. Yeah, it was I awesome. love it. Uh, man, Paul Green is here with whew. us. Paul, it's good to have you on the show, man. <laughs>
2: good it's good to be here yeah yes nice nice to meet you guys i've, I've heard your voices you, a few times I mean, and we, i've never seen your faces yeah well you that's actually, not you actually, Here's the irony you,
1: you actually met us at christmas con in person uh like after like, after, after day oh, one. Oh,
2: i remember you guys were wearing the ugly sweaters in the in the in the green room that's yes, right
3: and we, and we ate pizza
2: yeah oh this is that's you guys yeah, yeah.
0: it's us <laughs>
2: Uh, it's starting to click. Yeah. I, I'm at high altitude here, and yeah. I'm pretty deep into this coffee. So, yeah. Oh, you guys, you guys are all right. Yeah. <laughs> we talked yeah. for a while. I, I, no, I'm surprised they allowed you guys in there. Yeah, yeah. right. No, that's fair. No, that's we fair. we are surprised too. Yeah.
3: We're, we're big time. And Paul. then remember, afterwards, him. we went gambling,
0: and we yeah. drank
3: a lot of liquor. Remember? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Paul, yeah. you were out of control. I, at one point, pulled you to the side and said, hey, man, why don't you we were, slow down you were, a little drink. bit? You were eating aspartame by the spoon,
2: <laughs> Right, right, yeah. yeah. Look at the guys with three cokes there. I'm mean, <laughs> some organic free-trade coffee that... Like plants a tree and stuff or something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Organic free trade coffee that plants a tree. That's right. I just want that on a shirt. Uh, That's what I want.
3: um, Well, Paul, it's nice to finally meet you. Uh, (laughs) We're so happy to have you on on the podcast. Uh, Tell tell everybody, uh, before we dive into your background and your history and your career, um, just tell everybody a fun fact. Everybody everybody loves you and maybe they don't know everything about you, which I'm happy about because that would be a, a weird amount of things to know. But tell them something that you, they definitely don't know about you as a person.
2: That they definitely don't know about me as a person. <sighs> well, so I, I'm quite a sharer. I'm like on Instagram, like I'll share my love for weird things like cold water. Every morning, a part of my morning routine is I take an icy, icy cold bath or a shower, or I go in the lake, and but that like because it's just a, I find it's a really exciting way to start the day. Yeah. And here in Lake Arrowhead, it's like the water's forty degrees, In L.A. cold water right, is come like on. sixty-five. Yeah. But um, that's that's something people know. But I just finished my little morning routine, and maybe this isn't so. I have a morning routine that I f- is like a. a a tradition that I do and it really sets up my day and it involves some exercise, some breath work, some meditation, some prayer and cold. I just came out of the freezing cold shower and it's so cold that you get ice cream headache on your face. So in the shower, you're standing there and it's like fear factors. It's like, okay, I can stay another five seconds, another five seconds. But when you get out, you're newly born. Like you feel like you can do absolutely anything so that's something that i don't think yeah that everybody knows we can, about uh, me
1: we can shut it down this is the best interview I, we've ever I, had
2: i gotta be honest with out. you i'm actually inspired i you know i love
0: a good morning routine yeah thing what i love is, doing is it.
1: he's like that. 65 degree showers for wusses <laughs> <laughs> dude if you put 65 degree water in there that's freezing for a shower paul do you,
3: do you is any part of your shower warm or normal
2: No, you know, after I go in the lake, the lake here at Arrowhead is so cold that your hands go, you don't feel them that then, then (laughs) I come back and have a, like a five minute boiling shower to, for circulation. And that feel, that's like a really great, like just to, to move, uh, circulation, you know, blood flow. That's good. I'm, I've always been, this is something not everyone knows. I've always been obsessed with health and nutrition and fitness and and biohacking. And my dad died of ALS five years ago. Oh my goodness. So that took the detox, uh, understanding what causes the body to go uh, to turn against itself, all these things that I'd always been really into it. But when my dad got sick, it, things got real, real, real fast. And and just I really love learning and studying about how the body works and how to be a, the, the most highly functioning hundred year old. Like that's my goal is when I'm 100 to be able to do deep bends and pick up my great grandkids and to be able to go in the lake and swim like that's at 100. I want to be living my best life not just like sitting in a chair um getting by well
1: now you told us this before we started you're 97 right now and you you look you look amazing Paul. that's
2: something not everyone knows i lie about my age on on, on the interweb i lie and say i'm in my 40s but i'm truly 97 that's right yeah yeah, yeah. three more good years and i'm I'm pulling it off (laughs) paul uh
1: we do kind of do a little bit of an inside the actor studio here. Although after listening to you, I don't know when you have time to act with all this other like enjoyment of nature that you have going on. Like you literally it sounds like the, just the fullest life of, of nature, which yeah. is wonderful, but we do a little bit of a deep dive. We want to hear a little bit about your background, um, where you're from, kind of what kind of kid you were and, and, and what got you into acting, uh, just as, as cliff notes aversion or as deep a version as you want to give us.
2: Well, yeah. Um, I, I was, I was always in a lot of trouble when I was young. Like I had more energy than one kid should have. And I made, I really put my mom through a lot. I grew up in the church, which was, you know, a tough place for a kid like me to sit still. But, uh, it was like torture to sit in church for me. I had to sit on my hands. Like I was that kid, um, played every sport the interesting thing about drama school at my high school was at the kids in school were smoking cigarettes and listening to heavy metal and they were the drama kids, but I was an athlete. So we were at the jock door and the jock door, nobody smoked, but the drama door, everyone was smoking and listening to Metallica. And I mean, Metallica was pretty good, but like Slayer things I wouldn't listen to in the nineties. And uh, so for me to go to drama, I had to sneak in because all of my, all of my uh, athlete friends, they would, nobody would associate with them. So I would play sports and I wouldn't tell any of my athlete friends that I was taking drama. And I would like sneak in, do drama. And, and, and I, I knew I liked it because it was risky. Like it, acting felt scary. And, and I loved that type of thing, like pushing myself and challenging. And, and even at that age to do things that were scary. And I had a really great drama coach, a drama teacher in church named Arden Sorensen who put me in a few plays and at camp in a few plays. But it wasn't until I saw Bloodsport, mm. Jean-Claude Van Damme.
1: Jean-Claude Van Damme, that's right.
2: And, and and I wasn't allowed to watch those kind of movies. Neither like neither, Paul. I, right. <laughs> yeah. And I wasn't allowed to listen to rock and roll. other than Unless it was YouTube 2 because the Joshua Tree album had – I convinced my mom that it was – like a Christian album because yeah. it said Joshua tree. And I turned it over. I was like, look, it's like I where the streets have no name and all these things. <laughs> and, and turns out, you know, those, those guys had a really interesting walk with God at the beginning of their, uh, their uh, careers anyway. Um, but I snuck to my friend's place and watched uh, uh, blood sport and purple rain on the oh, same wow. weekend. And I was so inspired for martial arts that I got instantly into martial arts, stopped eating sugar, and and doing a thousand crunches at night, like so I could have abs like Jean Claude Van Damme. And I was a goaltender, so I was like I was like I could probably do the splits like Jean Claude. And I kept working on all that. And and as soon as I was sixteen, like the day I got my car, I drove myself to Edmonton, which is the nearest city in northern Alberta where there was an acting school, and I was in a school for film and television then at sixteen. Wow. Um, But as soon as I got to college on a volleyball scholarship, somebody found me for modeling. And uh, Kelly Streit, who's a really great agent, and he sent me around the world, lived in every city of Milan, Paris, New York, London, Tokyo, Hamburg, Athens. And and along the way, I was doing TV commercials, and I knew I wanted to act, but modeling was paying really well. And acting was this world I didn't really know other than commercials. But I uh, eventually found my way To Miami and um an agent saw me and said come to New York uh and act with uh with innovative artists as a big agency there so I made my way to New York uh and started studying with the the greats there Stella Adler Uta Hagen and a woman named Susan Batson at, at Black Nexus and but I was so busy with modeling that I could only do commercials I was I wasn't doing films or tvs and when my son was born um, I've been trying to get to LA to do pilot season, every pilot season, but I was always so busy because in modeling, I'd worked with Tommy Hilfiger and J crew and all the department stores and Giorgio Armani. I had such, I had such a, a huge clientele that every time pilot season would come around I'd be like, how am I going to cancel all this work to go to LA on a pipe dream and try acting, which seems like something that, you know everybody tries like it seems like it's like the dream job but my son was born in new york city uh 16 years ago and i watched the twin towers fall in in new york city like with my eyes was we were shooting downtown and we had to run from our building and everything and i was i've been in new york for almost eight years and it was like okay it's time to go to la my son was just born and i switched careers at 30 and came to LA to try and start f- with no credits. And that was 15 years ago. And so it's been, you know, I've been on 640 auditions since I came to, wow. since I came to LA and I've had 600 no's.
0: Wow. Wow. It,
1: <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, I have so many questions cause you covered a lot of ground there. Um, first of all, growing up, how you grew up when you decided to leave and go to acting school and travel the world, how did mom and dad take that?
2: Uh, surprisingly really well. Um, awesome. is this, fan, is this fan incredibly distracting? Should I move the thing a little bit I th- out? I think,
3: I think, that's I think fine. we're good. Yeah, that's
1: fine. Yeah.
2: yeah. 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 Unless it's
3: distracting to you and then you, yeah. do what you want.
2: Well, yeah, I think the sun is, you've got this really cool window here in the, in this cabin and the sun is, doing what the sun does. Yeah. Actually, we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. Science, science. You
1: ever science thought about led- directing, Paul? <laughs> what? You ever thought about directing? Yeah. Yeah. I bet you'd be good oh, at yeah. it. Oh, I, yeah. Sorry. I bet you'd be good at it. You're thinking through the light and everything already. We're just, you know, streaming <laughs> yeah. You in.
2: Yeah. I just finished a short that we shot in Paris. Wow. About, uh, yeah. About uh, this woman who loves Jim Morrison and we ended up shooting a lot at his grave. Wow. wow. In, oh, my goodness. In, yeah, yeah. Eventually, I mean, hope, uh, I'd like to direct one of these Hallmark movies someday. I That'd think That'd cool. be So would back be to really your parents.
1: I, I do want to hear about that. Your parents, uh, they, they, they took it really well, actually.
2: Surprisingly. I mean, I, I had a stealing problem in high school, and I had a really amazing volleyball coach named Larry Ethier who recently passed away. And he said to me that tell your parents that you're stealing and you'll have a great relationship with them because I was such a rebellious – I was such a rough, um, kind of high school, just, just had a hard time finding my way a little bit. Um, and thankfully I had this coach and sometimes it only takes one. And this guy really saw my potential and believed in me. And he had a meeting where I told my parents that I was had a stealing problem. And my dad was an oil business. My mom was a nurse. I, they had money. It's not like I needed to steal, but I just did it for the fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and he had me tell them. And as soon as I told my parents that I was a, kleptomaniac in in 10th grade, um, they, I stopped needing to steal anything. Like I, I told them and they were so supportive and it turned our whole relationship around. So by the time I was 18 and wanting to travel the world, for some reason, they just, they were just like, you know, they gave me a little bit of money to take some pictures for modeling and they were very supportive. I'm sure they, when I look back, like my son's driving now at 16 is I got my pilot's license really young at 19. And, and when I left in from Edmonton to fly by myself in a little four passenger to New York city, I remember looking at my mom's face and she was just like, I'm sure that it was really, really hard for them to, to send me out into the world at 18. But then they had to do it again with flying, and then there's just there's so many layers. And now myself as a parent of trusting God and just surrendering that your kids are going to be okay. Yeah. But I didn't make it too easy on them for sure. Uh,
1: you, th- I'm just going to be honest, Paul. You th- you just kind of drop in things when you're telling stories that would ful- would fill an entire interview. Like you just said in a story about your parents' reaction, you said you were a kleptomaniac and that you were a pilot at 19. <laughs> And those were not the he points. He is of the, the most interesting man the in Dos the world. Like, yeah, you're you the Dos guy. guy. You're the most interesting <laughs> man in the world. He doesn't attend ah, interviews. Interviews attend, attend him. him. <laughs> like, he doesn't, like, that's absurd, man. Like, how am I supposed to fi- I had questions about auditions. I want to dive into kleptomania and piloting at 19, and we just don't have the time. That's ridiculous.
2: Right. Right. It's I've lived a really exciting, exciting life that I'm, I, uh, that it hasn't had its, you know, has had its share of challenges for sure. But I, I really feel like those are what's made it.
3: Well, you're still stealing stuff because you stole our hearts. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, God. stop uh, it! Yes. Get, yes. Get oh, out of here! Get out of here! I want to know quickly before we uh, continue on. We all uh, also grew up in a Christian home where we were only li- able to listen to Christian music. Uh, what yeah. were you listening to early? In? Like, it, yeah, we st- we, we,
2: it, we still go back? Like, tomorrow, we talk about give
3: me some Petra, Paul. Yeah. Tell me you had some Petra going on.
2: Oh, where the rock cries out! Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Petra. Okay, no, this is going you guys are gonna like this. Russ Taff. Okay, yeah, yep, I know I, about Russ. I think I'm older than you guys, though. Russ Taff was like the the most authentic bluesy sounding guy. I, I couldn't believe him. Uh, of course, Carmen, especially yeah. Carmen. There was um the one with the champion and yeah, the I champ. used to Jesus. listen. Well, and I yeah. will just
3: say this. Bum, bum, if, you, bum, if you haven't, bum, uh, bum, if you haven't experienced a <laughs> witch's invitation,
2: have you even lived? Yeah. witch's invitation is <laughs> a classic. It's just too good. It's too good. It's so good. I listened to it recently and I just remembered every single yeah. lyric. I was yeah, like, how it? do I know like all the voices? And like, there's one about like dominant where he, a spirit filled pizza, do you remember <laughs> Do you remember Spirit-Filled Pizza? I don't, I don't know but, about Spirit-Filled Pizza.
1: That's that's a deep cut there. I know no, Revival it's in not. the Lane. Like, well,
2: I was sitting in the kitchen with my brother Frank when I thought of something real nice. Down around the corner at Uncle Angelo's, he was selling pizzas for half a price. Well, Ochichi wanted pizza even more than me, so I gave him a dollar and then... Four hours later and would you believe that Baboots never came back again so I was starting to worry so I called in a hurry yeah this bartender that I know named Pete and now he'll find out if he don't already know what's happening on the street he said crazy Lily seen Frankie walk into a church and wants to know what it's all about he said the Frankie that I see walk in that place ain't the Frankie that I see walk out <laughs> You guys I just like there are so many times this where we could best. just cut
1: the interview and we'd be gold, but this we just is, got a full Carmen impression. I just that is I.
2: But I, I did, don't know why. Twenty five years later, I remember yeah the lyrics to Spirit Field so Pizza. So
3: <laughs> we need to we need to write, we need to make, we need to fund a Carmen movie. You're playing Carmen. I, I think the world needs it now more than ever. Uh, so, Paul, you're about you're about ten years older than me,
1: and I'm about ten years older than that guy. And so, we're spanning some Carmen generations here. So, like everybody has their own. Everybody loves the champion, but Carmen wheelhouse is different for I think all three of us. Like our oh, yeah, you know, the champion and revival in the land uh, was great, but the the standard like that album was my jam. And then you like the riot, righteous, right. Righteous invasion, invasion of, of truth. truth. So like we all have our different carmens that we had <laughs> to grow up with.
2: Yeah. But you know, I think growing up, I was also listening to hardcore rap on the side, like, uh, ice cube and NWA and all these things that, because I had a foot in both worlds, I'd go to Jesus camp in the summer and get super on fire for God. And then I get back into like my high school And it was just, it was so, it was so challenging to, to do it. Like it was so challenging to, to have any consistency in that. So music, I just, I grew up with such great, my dad was listening to, to Johnny Cash down in our, in the shop and Bob Dylan, but it was like, I don't think my mom knew my dad was listening to it. (laughs) It was sort of like Johnny Cash would sing about gospel stuff. And so would Elvis. So I think that was their gateway into yeah. like some really good music too, but actual
1: good music. Yeah. yeah, I get it. It's
2: we're so funny now,
3: especially, you know, as we're all dads and we think back about growing up and uh, being teenagers and being idiots and we didn't have social media. And I just like, we can't even grasp no. like how, like as a, as a father of a 6 year old, it must be so challenging knowing your own <laughs> difficulties that you had as he, as a teenager. And it's uh, just amplified with social media. It must be uh we don't need to dive in, <laughs> I'm I mean, just thinking if I could have gotten
1: a hold of any music I wanted on the internet, with oh, a yeah. touch of a button when I was a kid. Oh my goodness, my yeah, world would have just been different. Changed. Yeah,
3: forget about it.
2: Yeah, my son is a unique one. He's not. I don't think he's ever taken a selfie, and he's got. Uh, he's he's uh, a very connected, open. I so unique. My son, I, I, we, I'd love to take credit, but that kid just came in with, with so much responsibility and so much, uh, gratitude. Like I, 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 I have to pinch myself and thank God every day that who my son is, we raised him with baby wise, which you guys might know, which yeah. is like get sleep scheduling. And I swear that's the thing that's like saved our lives because he's such a good sleeper and he's such he always has been since we put him on the sleep schedule but then there's also other components of prioritizing your relationship and not making the, the kid the king of the castle the mm-hmm. kid is a part of your team and I think that that has served him his whole life so I give baby wise to like everybody I'm like yeah. there you're pre- you're pregnant here it's gonna be a little insulting because he won't be co-sleeping with your baby and you might want to but just read it
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Love I love that for sure. Yep. So if we could try, like, I don't even care if we veer back on track ever. Yeah. This is the best this thing. This is fascinating. Um, you said you had 600 no's, Paul, 600 times you were told no. Is there an especially bad one? Like where you went in, you finished your audition okay. and you were like, oh boy, that was terrible. I can't believe that that happened.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. So it was, it was for NCIS. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I I was in there, and my son came to the audition with me, and he was four years old or five years old, and uh, the baby didn't work out with the babysitter, so he came with me, and we get we get there. It was like eight pages. I was being interrogated by Mark Mark uh, Harmon's oh, character, yeah. oh. but in it was a producer director session. So you go in sometimes, and there's there's in auditions can be the most are the most gnarly thing because. You're, you have a casting director and a camera and then the casting director's assistant who you're usually reading with and then over there is the director and the producer and then there's sometimes the writer and then there's network people, especially if you're in the last bit of it where you're at the director's session which is you, right before they shoot. And I walk in and I'm really ready and I'm a character and my, my character's been in prison and, 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 and unrightfully um, accused and I'm being interrogated and I'm about halfway through, and the door opens, and my son walks right into the audition. And, and I'm, I'm in character, and I look at this young human who I love so much, and I, and I have to find a way to can, communicate with him and stay in character, so I'm like, I'm like young man... Young man, would you please excuse me? I will be right out. And he, my son, looked at me because I don't speak to him like that. He's like, and he just left, <laughs> shut the door. And I remember I'm like peeking back in, and I and I, it took me a minute to like recalibrate and refocus and go like, okay, I mean I'm in the scene, finished it. And they're like, thank you very much. Grab my son. We go in the car, and I sat there and I, and I felt like I had just turded the bed. Like it was like <laughs> it was. It was The worst. And, and I was sitting there and I was getting ready to call my manager and say like, you guys, I, uh, I think I need to take a break from acting. Like I just, I was, I missed my lines. I, I was, my son came in and they called me. And told me I booked the job. What? What? That's <laughs> ridiculous. And, and, and the director of that, his name is Arvin Brown, is still my friend to this day. And he's like, why we picked you is the way you handled your son. <laughs> wow. In that moment. Stayed in character. And, and you, you stayed in character. You were kind to him. But then you were back focused. And it's like that moment, though, I realized that how I think I do is none of my business because it's not accurate.
3: That's so funny. Do
1: you, uh, is there any uh, audition that you got called back for or something big that you really wanted, you thought you were going to get and just didn't work out for you?
3: Hundreds.
2: <laughs> it would be, I can't, I can't think of like, I, I remember getting close, actually really close and testing for a couple of soap operas along the way, like young and the restless and these ones. And I remember getting to that last phase and you know, testing and and doing chemistry reads with the other actresses and this happened twice with general hospital and young and the rest us right about right to that end and some of god's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers wow. man. That's, I, it's I am so glad <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that garth brooks or something uh, yep sure is yeah. I'm so glad that that those prayers weren't answered, that I'm not on a soap, that I get to make other things that I really enjoy.
3: Yeah. It's so interesting, going back to your story, that you know, you did, you, you were modeling for so long and then your son is born and you're like, now's the time to act. Like a lot of people, it's opposite. (laughs) Like I'm going to go in, I'm going to go to California when I'm 18, I'm going to act. And then when a family comes, maybe I'll, I'll settle down. But yours was the opposite. Was it really challenging early on to uh, parenting's hard enough when you have a toddler and it's crazy. How was that balancing? Not just being a father, but also I'm, uh, I'm acting for the first time. I'm doing these auditions for the first time. Was that a really challenging thing to figure out?
2: Um, you know how it was necessary. New York gave me three strikes. Like the power outage that shut down the East Coast when my son was three days old, and we were in the thirty-seven story of a oh. uh, condo. That was strike one. Or sorry, strike one was nine eleven, where I was like, okay, this is this. Um, I need to get to California. Strike two was the power outage, and then when my son was like two weeks old, this big truck came by and, and hit a big w- greasy water thing and spra- splashed Oliver and I with water when I was holding him. And in that moment, I was like, "That's it. I'm going to sell." Because I had bought some investment property in Jersey City, and, and the thing um, I bought—I read a book when I was young called *The Richest Man in Babylon*, which got mm-hmm. me saving 10% and tithing 10%, like. Earlier, my dad had really instilled tithing with me when I was 16, but at 19, I got The Richest Man in Babylon, which is a finance book, but it's told in a parable and is one of the books I recommend the most. And it got me saving 10% of my money and and continued tithing 10%. And so I was able to invest quite young in real estate because of not just my dad's, the principle of tithing, but also the principle of saving. Uh, And so we put those two properties for sale in new york and in new jersey and moved out to la and with no credits with and i left target and Saks and macy's and bloomingdale's and and j crew and tommy hilfiger in new york and i was like guys i'm i'm done after 15 years working with I J crew and tommy hilfiger my client for 12 years wow and I left and said, "I'm gonna go try this acting thing because my heart isn't in this. Like I standing there having my picture taken, it was great money and great traveling, but and good to invest in other things. But it was a means to an end, and I wanted a career that was that was meaningful in its entirety, not just like a way to make money.
0: How do
3: you feel like you've um, evolved? over the years as an actor going back to moving to California to where you are now, how do you feel like you've changed, evolved, looked at work, all that stuff?
2: I, at the beginning I was making it about me a lot and looking good or avoiding looking bad or, or trying to prove that I'm talented. And, and now I feel the evolution and the maturity of putting in the thousands of hours. Now I realize it's not about me. It's, 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 it's not about me looking good or looking bad, uh, or, or doing a good job, like getting a result. It's not about that. It's so much more about telling a great story and really understanding where the story is going and how my character is a, is a stroke of the brush of the art. And then being so generous with the other actor that I take care of the other actor, not about me. So whenever I'm listening, well, and generously there to serve the other actor. My acting is totally fine, but when I'm or or you, you, when I'm making about me mm. looking good, my acting is terrible. It's self obsessed and it's it's insecure and it's and it's um, and it's uh, result driven, like trying to do a good job or look like a good actor or something. So the evolution has come from focusing on myself to now focusing on the bigger picture and telling the bigger story and focusing on my, my partner.
0: Sure. Absolutely. So, so let me ask you, you, you have all these very diverse interests. You're, you're not only an actor, you've done investment, you, you pilot, you do all these different things. Do you still balance and do a lot of these different things even to this day, like investments and, and, and all these other things, or are you pretty much exclusively honed in on acting still?
2: I mean, I, I have a team now that manages some of the, the you know i have a business manager and i have a really good lawyer so i think when it's time to really expand you have to build a team and i and now i'm at a place where i need really really people that are really good at the things that i was kind of okay at like managing money and and they take too much time and too much energy and i to answer your question like yeah the more i focus in and give all my attention to acting the 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 more that 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 can grow. But for me, it's music and acting together. Like I, I have, I, my guitars right here and I like, I pick up my guitar and, and, and I feel so happy when I'm Mm. singing and playing my guitar. But when I'm on set doing that too, is like another happy place. So I have a couple things that Mm. I'm focused on for sure. But to make the time, I just think time, time blocking really helps. Like I write out in the morning things that I'm looking to accomplish in a day and then sometimes i'll time block like my morning is time for my my body and my spirit and then there'll be time when i time block for music and a time block for reading scripts and a time block for like date night and connecting in my relationship with my fiance and then there's and then there's there's like entertain so there's time blocking has really helped me in my day so like for an hour i know i'm just focused on my music or this hour and if you give all of your focus For 30 minutes to something, you can move it further than if you're distracted doing 25 things and moving everything forward like an inch. Like if you just laser focus on it for a half hour, it's amazing how much quality of your time you can get out of that thing.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Paul, this is – all been super duper fascinating and usually we try to wind the road to hallmark at some point which you know you've got things to do i do have one other your filmography on imdb is a classic who's who of taking a bunch of auditions and doing whatever comes your way you got to be on an episode of the newsroom um what was it like being on a sorkin set and how it was it any different than being on any other procedural um that just fascinates me a little bit
2: Yeah. Aaron Sorkin obviously is, is as an incredible writer and I've had the chance to work with him and David E. Kelly who are very similar where their commas and their periods are very important in like you're, when those guys write, you actually have to know everything, what they said. Some sets you, you memorize, you get the broad strokes and you're allowed to play a bit, but with Sorkin, his writing is very intentional. And then in the newsroom, Olivia Munn is an actress on there and I was in uh, acting school with her Ah. uh, and they were trying to find my role and late night she saw a commercial I was on and she remembered our time in school and she I still had to go in and audition uh, for it but I had a bit of an in through knowing Olivia and it was great I mean it was it was at that level though like all a lot of there's a level of professionalism and and there's a level of um, effectiveness that those sets are. And they're such well-oiled machines that they they all run really well. Like When Calls a Heart, the series I'm on on Hallmark, I mean, we're the most coveted set because they're like 10, 11-hour days where – and it's it's like family hours. Like people are home in time to be with their families. And and it's uh, – I think – Procedural television or television, even like that I'm on now, it's um, their people are good at what they do, and so it's it's such a well-oiled machine. And I didn't get to meet Aaron; he wasn't on set that day, but um, it was pretty cool. I love the show. Yeah, show's fun. fun. It's a fun really, time. Yeah, it, yeah. I like those. I like those kind of fast paced, really witty, really smart shows like West Wing and yeah. those ones. I yeah, guess. I think. Wind
1: calls the yeah, and- I think
3: Sorkin <laughs> is a natural uh, transition to Hallmark movies because they're similar. Uh, so let's talk <laughs> yeah, about let's yeah, talk about Hallmark. Sure. How you kind of your road led you to Hallmark? Uh, how, how did it? How did it all all happen? How did the relationship begin?
2: I, I was on a series called Bitten, which is on the Sci Fi Channel in the States and on Space in Canada. Uh, and it's like a werewolf drama. And my character was the only human. Uh, and Bart Fisher, who is an executive at Hallmark, watched my character arc on this. I was uh, on the first season of Bitten. And he offered me my first movie with Danica McKellar, wow. um, who was Winnie Cooper, remember? Oh, yeah. we know oh, Winnie Cooper. We know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she called uh, a Perfect Match, and that was with Ron Oliver, who's a really amazing director. We are, we're,
1: we're big Ron Oliver guys. He's been on the podcast several times. We're, we're, he's our favorite director, just FYI.
2: Ah, uh, he's my favorite. The, the, Ron, I don't know if he told you, but he like raised Ryan Gosling for several years. Did yep. you know that? He
1: mentioned <laughs> something about Ryan Gosling. He didn't say he raised him. Right, we're going to need to we, dive into no, that.
2: that. Yeah. Yeah, we we'll no, back to no, Ron. No, Ryan's, Ryan's mom, they're from the same part of Ontario. and he, Ryan's mom was going through something, a challenge. And Ryan, for I think 13 years yeah. old to maybe 15, That's, he helped raise him. And, and um, Ron really took me under his wing and, and Ron, when I got on Ron's set, he's like, you're my every man you're, I've been looking for you, Paul. And then he gave me like every Cary Grant movie and said, study Cary Grant, study the way Cary Grant enters a room and the way he moves. And, and Ron introduced me to film noir, which I hadn't known. And as soon as I finished the movie with, 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 uh, Danica, I went back to LA and I got a phone call and a week later he, Ron offered me another movie with Candace Cameron called uh, Christmas detour. Yep,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. We're familiar.
2: Yeah. And so Ron and Bart and Danica and Candace were like my beginning into the Hallmark world. And then it just, it's a it's pretty good beginning. Just,
1: you started off with three of the heaviest hitters in the Hallmark universe. I mean, Danica, yeah. Candace and Ron Oliver. I mean, that's yeah. big time, man.
2: Yeah, it really is. And then they, it, they offered me Erica Christian a movie with Erica Christensen, oh, wow. who I who I loved from parenthood, do you remember? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, and and that was called Anything for Love and it was really zany and I was a male nurse and I really loved that one. That one was I really enjoyed doing oh. that.
1: I'm sorry. I was going to ask yep. you. I count uh, and I could be wrong. Aside from When Call's the Heart, I count eight Hallmark movies on your IMDb page that could be wrong. Um, most memorable or favorite experience of those eight pick one. I know they're all your babies. Pick one.
2: (laughs) Most memorable. It's, it's, Hmm. You know, it has to be tied up in how Ron Oliver helped me corner my niche in like find sort of who I was. It, it, it has, it's around working. Favorite moment is just, being seen by someone like Ron Oliver in a way that helped me really carve a path for myself and it's like and in the the amount of of pleasure and the amount of fun that I've had uh, and success really but it's it's helping to define it's it's tough to to define who you are sometimes and and to really powerfully choose a direction and I think Ron Oliver and those first couple movies really helped me define what who I am in this Hallmark kind of world and and I'm really grateful for for that experience and that stands out to me as like um as one of those but you know my mom also came and she's like an extra in almost all the movies oh, wow. and that's that's a really fun <laughs> – and if she's not there, then I have her picture somewhere. So I've managed that's to great. get my mom in every project other than maybe one or two. But it's like where's Waldo? It's like finding my mom. Yeah, that's great. fun. That's funny. You know what? That.
1: The rapid-fire segment is going to be the best segment because he's not going to be able to give us a, a straight answer yeah. because it would mean saying something bad about somebody else. No. I what? still didn't hear a movie name in there, Paul. Come on, man. Give me one movie. Favorite anything, or most memorable? For, any,
2: anything for love because – you know, Erica Christensen, I worked, I loved working with Lacey too, and Maggie Lawson now twice. Uh, and of course Danica twice, but there's something Erica Christensen, she, there was uh, that experience and she, the script was really creative for anything for love. Um, and it's, it feels like it's one of those movies that could have also been like in a theater. It was really, it's unique to itself. Yeah. So anything it's for nice. love. Um, yeah.
3: Love it. Uh, you're also on One Calls the Heart, which we're all. big. Yeah, fans. we you know the uh, Hardys love us. We always watch every every time it's on. You
2: you've only seen the Christmas. I don't even want to talk to you guys about One Calls the Heart because <laughs> all you've seen is the Christmas movie, which which so there's no character development. Like I don't no. know I don't know how you can comment on something without we can't we,
3: can't
1: we can't we can't we have no. We can have, I can I ask you one One Calls the Heart question since you're taking that high, Hardy's high road there? Uh, can I ask you one question? It has nothing to do with the plot of the show at all. Just one. Okay. Paul, we met you at Christmas Con in New Jersey. Memorable. Memorable for all of us. Uh, That was really, yeah. yeah. (laughs) You were wearing a nice uh, coat and a really nice scarf. It was a nice scarf. You looked great. Um, And in the Wind Calls the Heart movie, you're wearing the same scarf. Um, I would be willing to bet money on it, and I want to know if that's accurate or not. In the Wind Calls the Heart movie this year, the scarf that you're wearing when you show up it looks identical to the one you were wearing at Christmas con. I just want to make sure I can confirm. And what year was that scarf? You were wearing the scarf that you wore to Christmas con in the actual show. Please tell me that I'm right.
2: You're wrong. Oh, Oh, he's a multi
1: scarfer. No, (laughs) it's
2: gotta be the same scarf. (laughs) No, I – that is – I know it was so cold in Jersey and it was actually really cold on our set. But no, the sets, the scars are not the same. <laughs> Go look at the I scarf, love, Paul. I love that that's – I love that that's the thing that you noticed. Well,
3: here's, here's, here's what it comes down to is – Everybody's in their garb from what 19, 19 sha, third, sha, sha, whatever wherever. year it's supposed to be. <laughs> and you just kind of looked like you came from con.
0: <laughs> you looked like and you
1: came straight from Christmas con. You didn't look like you were dressed you in the past great. at all. You, you look
3: wonderful.
0: I'm you also have ball. to understand we're not scarf boys. Like, no. we don't, I mean, we live in South Carolina. Yeah. I would love to wear a scarf from time to time.
1: Yeah. Mm. But it just looked like you were like, for this movie. And we saw you in the previous movie and that wasn't the case, but in this movie, it looked like you just, you were just there. You just came on in and did your lines and we're like, it's 2020 baby.
2: It's 2020. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, it's supposed to be 1915 and I think they do a, our, especially our set deck and our costume do a really good job. And it's also Hallmark channel. So it's like, it's, it's, yeah. it's really beautiful to look at too. So it's the show. looks Looks really. You, I'm not going to talk to you guys. You haven't even seen the series. Yeah. What, what, <laughs> okay, why Why am I talking about one moment? Out of a hundred thousand, <laughs> there's no context. There's no. I mean, there's no. Because nah. you're a
1: wonderful human being, Paul. We're not. We weren't going to ask you anything scandalous about when calls the heart. We just want to know about your scarf, man. <laughs> it's all about the uh, scarf. Let me ask you this: This isn't about when calls the heart, but I'd love to get back there and talk about Jack being dead and, and whatever else. Uh, uh There's a movie on your IMDb feed called Sweet Home Carolina. I don't know anything about the movie, and I tried to read the description. Uh, I would assume that it takes place somewhere in the Carolinas. Um, is we, we are in Greenville, South Carolina right now. And so I just, I want to know where did that movie take place and how were you with your Southern accent? If you had to have one,
2: didn't have one, which is great, (laughs) Uh, which, you know, for a whole movie to carry that you, it's almost impossible to maintain it without, you know, not impossible, but these movies, that movie was shot in two weeks. So that was an independent through Mar Vista, uh, who, um, I worked with a uh, an, uh, one of the producers, and they asked me to do this. and It was a lower budget sort of thing that they were just, you know, it was a, it was. A, it, I didn't. I liked the script, and it was there. It, it they ended up selling it actually to the Hallmark streaming service, um, oh. but it wasn't originally a Hallmark thing. It was right. uh, an independent. Um, I, it was great. It was all shot in South Carolina. I don't remember the town you're going to kill me, but oh. you haven't seen anyone cause a heart. So I'm not too worried. <laughs> <you. laughs>
1: Do you remember it? Was it near the coast or was it where in South? You don't remember anything else about it?
2: Yeah, no. We, it, I, cause I was able to go to Charlotte, uh, is Charlotte, the old town kind of? Charleston is the old Charleston. Town. Yeah, yeah. Charleston. Yeah. Yes. Wasn't too far from there. 90 minutes from there. Uh, okay. Ah, oh, I, I had it. I had there's like a big university there.
1: It's, it was it Columbia? No. Sumter? Nope. All right. Good talk. <laughs> <laughs> scarf? Scarf? Nope.
2: Scarf? scarf? No. No. It's the same scarf, Paul. I'm sorry. I'm sticking with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, no. oh, but is there a, is there a, there's not a no? I, I, I it's I can't remember. Okay. Yeah it was five years ago and uh but it was fun i loved it there it was hot like it's it's crazy that is accurate it's
3: very hot um before we dive into the rapid fire round is there anything in 2020 that you know about that you're very excited about that you're allowed to talk about as far as work goes or is it just cold showers that you're
0: (laughs) you're um
2: well i know there's a couple things (laughs) i wish i could share uh Season eight for One Calls a Heart, which you guys haven't seen, so we shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> um, that there's a, there's a, we, we haven't got the official pickup, but everyone's pretty excited that that season eight's probably going to come, which is a huge thing. Yeah, uh, and that would start sometime in the summer filming that. Um, I'm I'm certain that there's a couple uh, movies de- coming in, but I haven't read the scripts yet, and I don't know the exact dates. But there's a couple Hallmark. Uh, Movies for sure, Um, for sure. Christmas one, which you guys will, which which you you will love for sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and yeah, that that's that's all. There's another really exciting thing that I can't talk about. So Mm. is it it Hallmark Hallmark related? It it is Hallmark related. Yeah, yeah. It is Hallmark related. So that's and it's we're all getting together
1: to film a Carmen biopic. You heard it here first. Hallmark sponsoring it. Hallmark sponsoring. Paul is acting as Carmen himself. Uh, we, we did want to break the we news want to this break way, but, news, but it's we had the best to. way.
2: <laughs> it is. I'm trying to think. There was some – What there was, so, do you guys not know who rust is? You sort of oh, pretend No, I know, you know who rust is. I yeah. know who
1: Rust-Taff is. Like, yeah. That is definitely like in my era that I can I can remember. I mean, any of those yeah. – Steve Green. You know who
2: Steve oh, yeah. Green is? Oh, yeah. And Keith, Keith Green I liked better because Keith, Keith Green. Green was a bit more – Rock and roll. A little bit more of like a, yeah, yeah. The, I, he seemed authentic. I mean, he was really intense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, and then, I mean, his music, you felt, especially the sheep and the goats song. I yeah. was like, I scared the living daylights out of me.
1: <laughs> I just remember um, you put this love in my heart by Keith Green. I, I can still oh, sing that song. I, like a, I really it.
2: like Keith Green. Steve Green, I never got into, but I, obviously I know, I know who he is. Um, there's Amy Grant had this one album that, uh, I I still hear it today, and I'm like, because you know, so great with Spotify or with anything, really. With you, just Siri say playing the Grant, and that we can kind of hear these old yeah. songs that uh, that that still hold up for me today. That still, you know, that I still will enjoy listening to. From oh, time it from-
1: had to be Heart in Motion. That's the only album like uh, Amy Goodwin had. Baby, baby on it had every heartbeat, had all the hits on it.
2: Uh, I don't. I don't think that was it. It was one that didn't have baby baby because I hated that song. And uh, it was older Amy Grant. I think I thought, it was just called Amy Grant, Amy Grant. I thought like we were going to be
1: friends, Paul. Uh,
0: <laughs> true or false, Paul, uh, Clay Bieber Cross is baby. still the best album of all time. Clay Cross, that's got to be
1: after him. Clay Cross. Who's that? Is,
0: yeah. Clay
3: Cross? No, that's Clay
0: Cross's best who's the, who's album the, of all time.
2: Who's the artist?
3: Clay Cross. <laughs> It's Clay Cross by Clay Cross.
1: No, Clay Cross is like er, like late '90s, early 2000s. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, Clay huh. Cross is did, not. Old. Did,
2: were you a, Were you a Newsboys fan? I knew the Newsboys. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you just as a listening to Christian music, you, there was not a lot of options. No, um, especially when you would compare what you'd hear on the radio, right. and you know you'd hear Nir, you know Nirvana on the radio, and then you would hear something that you were, you know, I, yeah, it was, I, I wasn't a huge news voice fan, but I I know who who they are for sure. That's what I think. Yeah, go ahead. Kevin Prosh was like a worship guy that I liked Uh, for quite a while. I don't know if you know him. I don't
1: know him. Can't say I've heard of him. I know Russ Taft though. Don't worry. Russ Clay Cross. And- I saw <laughs> Petra live in concert. Yeah. I like have several times. Like I, I like, saw,
2: I saw Striper, Striper with yeah. Michael Sweet
1: to hell with the devil. To yeah. Hell with
2: the devil. Yes. Amen. That's the best. That's the, Best line ever because Christians like they felt like they, they could, could say, say hell, they yeah. can't say to hell with you, but you could say to hell with the devil. <laughs> if, there's hell with the devil. <laughs> if there's
3: anybody who's hellbound, it's to the devil,
2: hell with the <laughs> devil. yeah. <sighs>
3: Yes. <laughs> I, I I I want you to do me a favor. Next year, you're playing a show at uh, Christmas Con or something. If you come back, I want you to sneak into Hell with the Devil somewhere on a yeah. cruise. Like, and okay. set. Okay. Yeah, that's what yeah. I. Want. Were you
2: guys, did you guys come to my concert at the last thing? About that, no, we didn't. <laughs> no, we, did, <laughs> no, we did not. Uh, no, we we did were
3: not. at a movie. Yeah. We went to the movie. <laughs>
2: All right. Well,
3: if it wasn't like a leave and come back situation, we would have. Yeah, because we were done, and then there was like two hours to kill, and we
1: didn't want to come all the way back over to the thing. So,
2: oh yeah, yeah. No, no. You guys would have liked it though. I played. You know, I played um, it as well with my soul. I, play, I played a bunch of like kind of old school hymns because I knew the Hardys would really like it, mixed <laughs> with some stuff from my album, and uh, it was a really great. We're doing it again in, in in Los Angeles. That's news. I don't know if they've announced. it I don't it know yet, if they've right?
3: announced it either. I was going to assume that you were going to be you, out there, but...
2: You heard it here first. <laughs> oh, <No>. This Justin. <laughs> yeah, did. yeah, oh, yeah. That. that's happening. And I mean, we're not
3: week. we're not official. Yet, yeah, but, I, but we're I probably going to be out there too, and we will get. We're hanging this time. It's not yeah. just a green room hang. Yeah, it's and you a, will remember. And us. you That's will right. remember it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do a great.
1: podcast where we break down each Carmen song off of one album <laughs> <laughs> individually. You <laughs> right. got that kind of time, Paul? Remember be yeah. in the moment with us. That's He's right. time
2: blocking hours for us. <laughs> I can right. tell you That's that. Right. <laughs> That's right. From nine <laughs> to ten, it's Carmen schedule and time blocking. When you guys come. Well, time blocks some good hang time, especially to talk about Carmen.
3: Yeah, I <laughs> love it. We're ready for it. Uh, let's dive into the rapid fire round. It's when let's we, do uh, it. we each get to ask you three questions. You have to answer it as quickly as you can. Dan, will you kick us off? I sure can. Uh, what's the
1: best meal you've ever eaten in LA?
2: Whoa! <laughs> oh my god, sushi! What sushi is- at no- Nobu in Malibu? Sushi so Shino- Nobu, Okay, he won. He won the Iron Chef.
0: Yeah. Uh, best book you've recently read
2: um um well this right here whoa Yard yard sale this is uh the 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 life-changing magic of tidying up by Marie Kondo so this is about uh only having things around in your life that you that spark joy so uh you go through your all your clothes or all your you know books and you throw away or Scar- give away any for- for scarves. Yeah. If you have extra scarves, it's about of- getting rid of clutter and making space for your, in your life for things that you only love, not just clutter around everywhere. Yeah. Love I don't know.
3: I, I I'm sure it's great. I was so annoyed. Like a couple of years ago, it, it, it became a Netflix show and everybody was tidying up and it just, I was annoyed by the whole thing, even though I'm for like minimalism and tidying up, I'm for it. It was just a fat, it was a big thing on Netflix.
0: I work for a minimalist, so Marie Kondo is kind of the competition, but I'll let it slide. It's all right.
2: She's not a minimalist. She says, just surround yourself with things that spark joy. That's right. And not- so if you have a
1: cluttered house and it all sparks joy, you're good to go. <laughs>
2: That's, right. Of course,
1: right? that's, Bingo. that's Bingo. right. That's right. <laughs> you, you know, know what? I'm, the, by that. I'm in the process yeah, yeah, of yeah.
3: moving and I have thrown out a lot of stuff over the past week and I can attest, it does bring you joy to get rid of nice. things. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, and it's yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a whole thing. It's your turn. Um, what's um, um, you, you've mentioned that when you were uh, modeling, you traveled the world, you stayed in people's homes. It was this whole thing. Uh, what is one of the most memorable uh the, I'm going to say the most memorable experience from from traveling the world and meeting all sorts of different people from different backgrounds. Oh, my I know.
2: God. I know. Oh my goodness. Well, we're always it's uh, always
3: like we're making
1: Paul choose between children. <laughs> it's the best.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's so hard to narrow it down. Um <sighs> I was always living with different families, you know, like the option was live in a model's apartment where they're doing a bunch of drugs and everyone's sleeping with each other or find a family that kind of was in that city and they never spoke, rarely spoke English. So I would live with an Italian family or a French family or a Filipino family. And what was cool about that is learning how to cook. So the most memorable from all of that is they, I learned how to cook really like fish heads and rice from the Filipino family and uh, the secrets to a good tomato to a good tomato sauce from an Italian family, yeah. so living in there and learning their language because I would put myself in the in language school even in Japan, I was learning Japanese so that I would really i would embrace the culture rather than just be with American models partying spending my money i i it was a real education like I, w- I did go to college but I left college really early but l- the amount of learning from these families and it was like i put god first in that for that like incredibly would have been in my tw- you know 19 through all my 20s it could have been really rough out there in the world on my like if i i would have probably uh been swallowed up by you know there's there's so many things going on in fashion um but just i think the experience of the food and the culture and the language of of Putting God first allowed me so many unique experiences that have been a foundation for my life right now. For
3: sure.
1: Not a rapid fire question. How many languages, not necessarily fluent, but would you say that you're competent in like that you can understand right now?
2: Three. Okay. Quite, quite handy with Italian. When I'm in the countries, I, it all comes back And French. I'm fairly good at Japanese. I remember a a lot of Japanese. Wow. Um, Wow. Yeah.
1: Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, who's your dream director to work for?
2: Rapid fire. Oh my gosh. Do some people have these answers? I sure do,
1: Paul, but the thing is, Zach,
2: Zach Zach Braff, Zach Braff, because my, the move, you know, Garden State is the one of the most perfect movies for me because of the music and it's like when I direct, write and star in my own film, it's like Garden State is sort of the template for it. Like it's deep, meaningful, but also comedy and also music, music, music. Most breathtaking, Zach, right? most breathtaking album you've ever heard. Amy Lou Harris Wrecking Ball. Uh, it is produced by Daniel Lenoit, who did a lot of the early U2 stuff. And there, it's Lou Harris singing Neil Young and Bob Dylan songs with Neil Young doing harmony, Larry Baum wow. Jr. on the drums, oh. Aaron and Aaron Novell doing harmonies. And it's my Desert Island record. It's it's uh, called Wrecking Ball by Lou Harris. Wow.
3: Mm. How long, if there was an ice bath, do you think you could make it in the ice bath before saying I can't do it anymore? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Wow. That's
2: what's the, yeah, 10 I, minutes three is my record but i like three once you get past three you can't feel much <laughs> anyway so you're, yeah. yeah what then uh, you, you should get out at 10 minutes yeah, you should get yeah, out. you're gonna be
1: yeah. numb there's gonna be some skin damage that's not repairable yeah. at that point yeah, yeah. hey what's the perfect guitar or your dream
3: guitar oh
2: yeah good question taylor is the most consistent i i have a taylor it's the most consistent, but there's this Czech company called Fursch, F-U-R-S-C-H, Fursch, and they're handmade, and they sent me a guitar through Instagram, and this is going to sound like a plug, but it's the most beautiful playing. Um, There's another guitarist who I follow called Paul David on uh, YouTube. He's amazing. You should check him out. He did a review of this guitar, and I reached out to the company and said, I'm singing at Carnegie Hall, uh, and I'm doing this Hallmark... um, Christmas concert where where I could use your guitar and I'm doing a telethon in uh, Vancouver next week where you know millions of people will see your guitar so they sent me this $3,500 guitar that's just so incredible to play so it's a dream to play mm-hmm. and my tailor that I've had for 12 years that's beat up and almost has a Willie Nelson hole in it that's that's my like I sleep with that. That thing lays like a cross, you But the other one's a concert performing one. Wow.
0: Gotcha. Great answer. Uh we come visit you for a few hours. Uh where are you doing to entertain us? Where are you taking us, Paul?
2: Yeah. Well, first off, I'm not your monkey, so I'm not gonna entertain <laughs> you. <laughs> but we're 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 gonna we're gonna entertain each other. And uh you come to we're we it'll be a bit of everything. I would take you probably on a hike uh up. Panga to these caves that I've actually slept in up there that wow. if you, if you slip it's 300 uh, feet down, Holy but there it's a, it, it's incredible. So we're going on a hike. No. We're going to go for some good sushi, at yeah. uh, Nobu, Uh, and then probably at the beach we'll, we'll, we'll hang out at the beach and talk about our feelings in a circle. <laughs> I gotta be honest. Aside
3: from the feelings thing, I'm out on all of that. I, I, you're the out, you're the out. heights <laughs> I'm out. Sushi. Hate it. I beach. Lo- Not a fan. Love sushi. But I can talk about my
0: feelings. Let's go. Uh, Nobu
3: want. sushi. I'm there.
1: I,
0: I think you're grossly overestimating our ability to entertain you as well. Uh,
2: so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're a blast. Yeah. Like,
2: we're pretty fine. You guys are quite entertaining. Not everyone I can throw Carmen, uh, weird, weird Carmen lines back and forth with. Yeah. yeah. We'll yeah. always
1: have Carmen, Paul.
2: <laughs> we'll
3: <laughs> always have Carmen. Um, Panda likes this question, but I think it's, uh, going to be really good, uh, coming from you. Uh, Road trip, three artists. Any three artists that you can bring along with you. One of those three artists. It's a road trip across you're just the singing, country. So there's you're no just music. You're just singing. You're, you're singing just singing. Whatever comes forth.
1: on the radio. Three, three artists. Three artists.
2: Who are you bringing with ne- you? That's easy. Neil Young, mm. Johnny Cash, and Bob Dylan. Wow. There you go.
1: Man, I love it. Nailed it i love it paul you are a gentleman and a scholar sir thank you for giving of your time and energy and you block some time off for us god bless you you make us want to watch when calls the heart not me per se but 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 you do i do want to watch because i hear that the audio dubbing is phenomenal (laughs) on when calls the heart um
2: (laughs) it it really is uh our, our, uh, our post team, especially our composer, like they're, they're, they're really talented. I love the music on mm. cause of heart. You guys should watch it. Just for the music. <laughs> especially you.
1: Yeah. Th- yeah. Thanks man. Hey, uh, we really do appreciate your
3: time. Thanks so much for hanging yeah. out with us and you're the best. Sure. And I know that it, uh, it's, we just celebrated it, but we do always end the episode by saying Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas.
2: Merry Christmas to Deck the Hallmark
3: is a Bramble Jam podcast
1: presented by Friendly TV. It's produced by Brandon Gray and recorded live in beautiful Greenville, South Carolina at the flagship property studios on East Coffee Street. For more information, go to
0: deckthehallmark.com.